Hello and welcome everyone to our Wealthy Wednesdays podcast. I'm Steph Davies, your host for today, and we are joined by Broadacre Alastair Burgess. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. And Dominic Neshi, thank you for joining us. Hello, hello. It's good to have Alistair here today. Thank you for having me. It's your first time on one of these shows. That's awesome. You are popping my proverbial cherry. Cool, cool. <laughs> wow. Well, that's one way to start. Today is the signature series part two on house and land packages and why cheap can end up being more expensive in the long run. And we are joined by Alistair today because we've been uh, been working with Broadacre for a little while now. And Broadacre is an innovative house and land development company with an eye for design and a passion for property. Broadacre builds and develops in New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria and do an absolutely incredible job at uh, building house and land packages Thank in, you. in every estate that, they, that they've been into. And, and we think that you have a wonderful point of difference and uh, what you are creating is very unique. So we love working with you for our, for our clients. Now, Alistair is one of the key movers and shakers at Broadacre and is also an accredited mortgage broker. He's always working hard to ensure that deals are tied up perfectly for our clients. And we're really grateful for you to take some time out of your day to uh, join us for this chat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm. I'm excited. Likewise. It's great to work with you guys. Yeah, well, we, we always like to work with people we know, like, and trust and, uh, and have fun along the way. And people that have a passion and a real commitment to quality. You know, one of the things that I really liked about um, all of our interactions is how passionate that you get talking about the stock that you want to create. And that's the one thing that I really resonated with because unless you love property, I, don't, I think you have no business working in it. And it's nice because when we, when we, some of our first chats, it was you jump straight into this is what we like to do. This is the, the design that we like to bring forward. These are the types of products that we're creating. It was never about the money. It was never about the sense. It was always about how can we create the best product? And we threw a, a few curly questions, you know, about, you know, um, investment product and trying to get down and cheaper and you're always sort of push back saying like no i'm not going to do cheaper i refuse to go into these areas i don't want cookie cutter stuff so that was you know the litmus test for us and wealthy in our business and the fact that you just stayed strong to your commitment to quality was like these are the people we want to do business with so you know i'm glad to have you on the show because our our audience and, and, and our clients need to put a face to the name. <laughs> That's right, Dom. It was like a tick, tick, tick. All of our worst nightmares we we hit straight. We hit very early on, and uh, and we couldn't we couldn't get past them. So I think creates the right word because in our space, create doesn't get used a lot. So when you think about product and you think about the end goal of a finished house, you do create it, and um, and it's going to be there for. 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And a lot of people don't think about that in time. So, yeah, that's definitely what we keep in mind. That's a big thing for us. Now, I'm an eternal optimist. So I'm looking at all of the wonderful opportunities that have come up this year um, and making sure we're taking advantage of those for clients. And one of those has been all of the government stimulus and incentives, particularly in the home builder space. So that that's sort of what really prompted our, our early discussions in, in clients looking to house and land to, to get into that space. So we're keen to talk to you today, Alistair, about what you think makes a good estate and, and what you look for in terms of areas. So, you know, for us, if we've worked with the developer before, great. You know, we know a lot of their backgrounds. We know what they've delivered on previously. We've seen it, felt it, touched it, seen it. You know, that's that, that's the big one. 
Um, we haven't worked with them before. We want to get an idea of what they deliver on, whether that delivery is how good their roads are, what the landscaping's like when it's finished, um, what the light, what their street lights are like. It makes a big difference, you know, once all those houses are finished. Um, on the more technical side is what's their construction timeline like, what's their civil works like, um, and what's their past delivery like on those construction timelines? Because, you know, government stimulus right now has a time frame on it. So if land isn't registered or the civil timeline is hard to tease out of somebody that you're trying to deal with, some alarm bells there. So really, you've got to get an idea for the technical side of it and whether they are going to be on track, deliver what they say they're going to deliver, and um, and yeah, give us what we really want. It's a nice presenting estate. And one of the things that, again, I hate to you know toot, toot your horn or whatever, but you your business um, traditionally likes to work in brownfield sites and for our clients out there brownfield is basically infill and infill is another you know fancy terminology for going into suburbs that are already established more often than not a primarily owner occupier and then these guys will pick out the block or the house or they'll pick out the opportunity where they can put a new product into an already established area um, so they're, they're looking out for areas that um, are not primarily investor, uh, already established, already have a culture, already have a, a an energy or a sense to it. It feels homely. And do you think that that's, that's a deliberate strategy, obviously, for you guys? Yeah, you know, a site to us could be a big house with a tennis court on it in an established suburb, brown site. Uh, we flatten that site. We work with it. We divide it into two or three blocks, depending on how big the size and what it works. And, um, and yeah, and then we, we, we custom build some houses. Um, for the greenfield stuff, the bigger estates in the newer suburbs, yeah, you know, there's infrastructure projects. There's all the vision of what it's going to be in five years, in 25 years' time. They're all very key. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're happy to play in both. The product in both needs to suit both. We need to be mindful of everything from a bank security valuation all the way through to what it's going to look like in 20, 30 years time. Um, and likewise, you know, to go back to what do you think makes a good estate? It's the price, mm. price of the block, developers terms, the people in the developer's office, what are they like? Are they good people to deal with? Are they going to be fair and reasonable for our clients if they need more time? If we, you know, nothing ever runs smoothly in the property transaction, it never does. Um, so whether they're going to be willing to deal with us, just go through the loops and the hoops, and um, and get to the outcome that we want. So that's 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 big for us. That's a that's a really good point, actually. Can I just touch on that? Yeah, please. Um, people don't appreciate, or clients don't appreciate that with property. Often everything doesn't go the way that you plan. <laughs> Um, and we have all the best intentions and plans, and but ultimately, property comes down to people. Um, if you don't, if if you don't get along with the people in the office or with the builder, if they don't seem like they're willing to accommodate or work with you, you're going to have a really hard time. Yeah, it's going to be tough. 
It's going to be tough. Yeah. But if they're good people, then you know, hey, you know, it's 10 days delayed or wherever it's going to be. That can make the world of difference at the end of the project when you're working with a bank and you're trying to get finance or you're trying to get a valuation done or you need to get early access or you need a delay settlement. All those little things can make the difference between thousands of dollars or making or breaking the deal entirely. Yeah. yeah. So, so having good people around you when you're working in property is... It's huge. It's huge. There's so many spinning plates is the best way to look at it. And a lot of those plates you can't touch to keep the plate spinning because it's somebody else's plate. So communication between all of those people that are managing those spinning plates is really key. And they just need to be good people and fair and honest and, yeah, okay, we get it. Yeah, banks are slow at the moment. Everybody knows that, what have you. It's it's, it's an interesting one. That's why it's fun. Mm. There's never a dull moment never. in property, that's never. for sure. Spinning plates, what an analogy. Never heard it and I really like it. <laughs> yeah, spinning plates. Wow. I'm thinking about all the one. plates that are currently spinning out there. That's right. <laughs> you think of it like that. It's like, yeah. Oh, and shit. that sister's got that plate <laughs> and that mortgage broker's got that plate. And yeah. That one sits with the client, so they've got to fix that before they can progress. And then, yeah, it's it's a lumpy one. Yeah. Sometimes the plates break and you've got to get a new plate. That's right. The plates are a different size. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, but it's That's fun. a really good way to articulate all of the moving parts in any given property transaction. Yeah, and every mm. one has got a dozen probably moving parts, whether it's a drafty finishing the floor plan or a land contract that needs adjusting to suit either a tax or a rebate or a something just to get all the terms right. Mm. It's, it's It's hard work. We like to hide all of the moving plates. I feel like all the all the time I'm I'm going, no, everything's fine, everything's great. And in in the background, we're trying to herd all the cats and, and line, cats exactly, line, yeah. it, line it all up and make sure that that um that it's as smooth and as easy as possible. Yeah. But working with great people certainly helps. Now we've we've spoken about what makes what makes a good estate and now we've spoken about process and and herding the cats and lining up all the plates. It leads me to think now let's talk about the features of what makes a good home, particularly in these house and land packages. We've we've touched on design, but Alistair, what what do you really believe makes those makes those features sort of pop and and particularly with capital growth in mind for the longer term of any house and land package? I, I think you've got to stand on the curb. You know, it needs to be timeless design. That facade needs to be look needs to look good from day one and have a level of thought behind it that in, at its end, you know, the idea is you don't sell any investment property, but at one point in time, you probably will have to. And if it looks good, it will sell. So start at the curb. The thing looks has to look good, simple as that. Whether that's a mix of materials for the facade, a high level of brick, architecturally designed, features, windows, color scheme. It's all from the front door. So that's a big one for us. Floor plan and flow and livability once you're through the front door is is number two. You know, There needs to be defined spaces between the living areas. It needs to have an easy flow. You know, It needs to have access through. It needs to have lots of light. So windows positioned in the right spot. Um, and for the client, some people want a huge backyard and some people want no backyard for maintenance. So there's a, you know, a sliding scale on that. And it's just it's marrying people to the right things, but it's 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 having a good bird's eye view of what that thing's gonna look like when it's finished, how it's gonna feel when you walk through the front door. And that's a big floor plan design and a facade design element. 
I like the idea of a curbside appeal. This is really under um, underrated. Um, we've spoken to clients and they want an investment prop and they say, hey, I don't care as long as the numbers make sense. And I'm like, sure, the numbers make sense. But there's all these other little things that matter. Um, you know, what I like in an investment property and property in general, you know, this is my romantic heart. I like when you open the door and you get a sense of wow. And you need to be able to pick out some key features that will give you that wow. And what I liked in, in the plans that we worked on, or what you guys worked on and brought to the table was, hey, we're not doing any shitty flooring. We're going to go for a hardwood floor. And there's a difference when you see like natural wood versus some cheap tile or God forbid you put carpet everywhere. <laughs> um, the other thing that I thought this is really, really cool and I haven't seen it before is this idea of when you move into the living area and you have vaulted ceilings. Um, for the clients that are out there, Alistair, do you want to explain what vaulted ceilings are and the differences between that and say just, you know, the you know, 2.5 or 2.6 meter high ceilings? Yeah. So, you know, a really common question we get all the time from us, you know, channel partners like you guys is, oh, the clients found another product online or they've, they've done some research, which is fine. That's what everybody should do. Do your research before you buy something. But the ceiling question comes out all the time. Oh, the ceiling's higher through the whole house. It's like, okay, yep, great. But really, the ceiling should be low in the bedrooms. Keep those rooms nice and cozy. Keep them quiet. Spend the money of raising the ceiling because it costs money to raise a ceiling. Spend it properly and vault the ceiling so the ceiling line in a living, dining, and a kitchen area where it's all open plan follows the lines of the roof. So you have a huge cathedral feeling area in that main space that you spend all your time in the house. And there you get that wow factor. It makes it feel way bigger. It feels really airy. There's loads more light in there because there's more space for it to bounce around. It's simple mass, but actually it stacks up way better. And really the cost to do a vaulted ceiling versus raise the ceiling, you know, this much across the whole house, is pretty comparable. But the wow factor between the two is, is chalk and cheese. Now, that's a bit of secret sauce. So people out there are going to you know, ask for it. But this is an architectural feature. Like when you go walk into a three or $4 million place, they don't have huge ceilings everywhere. There's, there's layers and there's textures and there's different heights. Mm -hmm. So I walked into um, a friend of mine's house recently and had a big, magnificent front door. So nice streets, curbside appeal. Then you open up and the entrance had you know, double height ceilings is like seven meters high. And then when you get into the more kitchen or the bedrooms, ceilings come back to normal. You haven't got seven meter ceilings inside your bedrooms because that feels a bit too much or awkward. So these architectural features really do stand out. And that I feel like is one of those features that stands the test of time, creates that sense of wow. And when you want to rent it out, you're going to be one of very few people that have these features compared to everybody else that's got cookie cutter, you know, mastered in homes or whatever else. And these big builders are fine, but I want to, I want something different or unique or architectural. I want that feature so that we are different to everybody else and we can demand a premium. Well, there's, there's, there's the premium cost aspect, but I mean, the, the end of the day, when you, if you have to sell that thing, something pops up, you want to buy a house, you, want to, you know, you found something in, in the suburb that you want to live and you think, oh, do you know what, if I sell that, I've got the cash to do it. It will sell and it will sell quicker than anything else. It will give you the money back that you want. It would have grown probably in a quicker timeline than you thought it would have done um, because somebody's thought about it. And that's 
that's what it boils back down to, you know. And whether that's when you have to sell it or flip it on its side and it's handover day, the property's complete, it's had all its inspections, it's got all its certification, you've got a tenant looking to move in the next day. Mm. Because we've worked together to talk to the property manager to say, hey, look, check this thing out. Here are the photos close to completion and we can't get you in yet. It's still a construction site, but this is what it's going to be. They've already found a tenant because they've got tenants asking, you know, they've got, they've got people in the database. Hey, I've got this thing coming up. It's a beautiful house. It's going to be ready in two weeks' time. Yeah, cool. Well, that suits me. So nine times out of ten, our owner clients through guys like yourselves, they have a they, the, the keys don't go to anybody else but the tenant moving in, property manager tenant, same day. Because property's there. It looks really good. It's 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 an aspirational piece that somebody wants to live in. That's actually a really nice line, the aspirational piece. The write aspira- that one down. Yeah, I'm going to write that one down from, for our quotes. But we talk about this all the time where quality will stand the property apart amongst its amongst its competition in the area and then that's always reflected in the rents and then that resale down the track. And so I, um, I always talk about this, that when you have something that no one else has, you ideally want, whether it's an investment or not, you want those two owner occupiers fighting over it on auction day when you go to sell. Completely agree with you. I mean, it's it's owner occupiers that buy with emotion. We always say this. That's we want right. people coming into the property using emotion, not numbers and cents, because that's when when someone falls in love, they do the silly things. They spend <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars on bags and cars, and hopefully, it's your home or your investment property. So that's right. That's what we like to. That's what we like to think, anyway, Dom. Now, I always like to ask a little bit of a taboo question and mine for today was around the misconceptions. What are the misconceptions in house and land packages and how can we how can we avoid them um, or, or answer them for our clients? So we get a lot where when clients are saying, oh, all home builders are the same. What? Who's the builder? All home builders are the same. So I wanted to talk about that. I know you both have some different ideas around the misconceptions and how we can tackle those with our clients. So I, before you give me any of your ideas, I think you've got to really peel that onion back and go, what's the old adage? Land appreciates, buildings appreciate. Mm. So that's 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 the bare bones of house and land. It's it, speaks for itself it is what it is um you know if you are looking to purchase and you may have two or three things on the table that you're looking at because you know there are options there um there are further things to think about whether it's stamp duty um and what the process is between house and land and two contracts versus either something that's established where you're paying full freight on that, that that purchase price um and you know, there's, there's there's a lot more to just like, like we've discussed already. Good house and land compared to cookie cutter house and land. So, you know, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are there. Well, for me, I think that you're right. It always starts with the land. You have to buy the land well, um, and it even comes down to picking. Uh, you know, making sure that you're getting the, like a larger block or something that might have a good exit later or something that's at the top of the hill versus the bottom of the hill. So land, it's house and land, you think about the land first. Then if you're gonna move to the builder, I think that to say that all builders are the same is crazy because even within a building company, the stock is very different. My dad is um, been building for like 30 years and and then I've worked in property development like you have Steph 
you can be in the same development company and then one project manager will deliver a stunning building and then the other project manager will deliver a shitty building. So having a project manager or having a right team to sort of keep the builder honest is another thing. And that's why we like working with you as well because knowing who's gonna manage the site or keep your trades honest and having that layer or that attention to detail when they're delivering the home can be all the difference between taps not working correctly, handles falling off, the door not feeling quite right, or when you open cupboards, it kind of hits the ceiling. All these little things start adding up to it being just not quite right. So you can have two identical homes and then one's got all the same product or melee, whatever else, but some things just don't really work. And then this thing here, everything's crisp. So again, making sure that you got the right build is great, but then also who's within that building team and managing the quality of that build is paramount. Or even up front, when you're doing house and land, you got to submit plans, making sure the planning process is done properly and it's going to be done timely and you're working with good architects. So Again, this comes down to the spinning plates. So, you know, you really want to make sure that you're working with good people and they're right on your team because there are so many things that can go wrong. Get the get the land right. That's the first tick. And the second part is making sure you're working with good people inside that building team. Uh, that that is that is crucial. Like the the owner and the director of that building business, if you're not on the same page as that guy, it's never gonna work. Because the people that he employs aren't going to be on the same page as that guy. And that whole staff and that whole team underneath, it's it's crucial that if the guy at the top who we deal with, and obviously the people below subsequently for whatever the role they do, we we got to be on the same page as that guy to the point where we're friends with them, really. You know, whether it's Christmas parties or it's a family catch-up when we're in Queensland or whether in, you know, southwest of Sydney, we know them intimately. We know their kids it's it's crucial because it's it's their philosophy and what they believe will boil down to their staff will boil down to how they interact with us whether it's the good stuff or whether there is a problem that needs fixing if it's the right way everybody communicates and the right way everybody thinks then problems get fixed quickly solutions are found everybody's happy mm. and it's it's the right thing for the client and it's 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 non-abrasive and that's that's key. It's similar to our relationship, but it's got to go all the way through to the, the trades that they use. You know, if the trades got the right mindset that they get paid on time because the guy that owns the business is smart and he communicates well, you get good trades. It's 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 really it's really simple and it sounds ridiculous that we need to talk about it, but actually, it's what pulls a different quality of build together from the start because it's how that business is led. Absolutely. And that's, that's the exact process that I've seen break down so many times. So it is simple, but it's amazing how many times it, it breaks down and why it's so important to have the whole team and all the ducks in a row and, and everyone working, working together towards the same goal. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's, it's complicated out there. When you look at the other huge residential builders in, in Australia right now, you can get lost in their websites because they've got so many levels and layers of things that you can jump into and in and out. You know, when you look at buying a car, for instance, you're like, oh, I like a Volkswagen or I like this. And, you know, those kind of things fit my budget. And you focus and you drill in on those two cars, right? But when you see them, these huge builders' websites, it's like you're looking at the owners of all of those brands, mm. whether it's the owner that owns Volkswagen and 
Bugatti. It's the same people who own it. They make Skoda as well. They make a bunch of other Euro brands that we don't get here. But they're so segregated, you wouldn't know it. But a lot of those big builders here, it feels like they're all on the same roof. And you can you can kind of tussle and they're all fighting for the same thing. But it's the same builder and slightly different product. Yeah. And it's really undefined and it's really confusing. Super confusing for someone who doesn't know the space. Mm. Well, I'm glad that we have lots of wonderful clients, lots of wonderful partners like you you at Broadacre that uh, that does know the space that we can lean on. Now, I know we've got to wrap up, so very very quickly, I just want to ask you our last two wild wealthy questions that we ask all of our guests, Alastair, <laughs> and it is what does being wealthy mean to you? Uh, I'm not a material guy, which you might think I'm I'm lying when I say that. Time is money for me. Like I wish I had more time every day, but you know, time for my kids. I've got two young kids, so time's a big thing. If I could have more time in my day, I'd be way wealthier. Um, and fitness too. I'm a I'm a fitness guy, so fitness is wealth. Health is wealth. I'm I'm not somebody that sprays that from the ceiling or you know posts that on my Instagram every day. You know, mm. just so and so. But you know, a Sunday morning for me is a three hour mountain bike ride or a 20k run and that's that's a tick and then pack those times in so yeah it's time for me time's a big one that's awesome i love the different uh the different answers that we're getting to that question it's really interesting but all comes back down to the same thing that that it's not just about um monetary wealth in the world there's so many amazing wonderful other things to come out of our time and our days and our energy energy is huge for me so let's leave it there Dom, thank you so much for all of your input. Alistair, thank you so much it's for joining a us. Thanks for having me. Hate to uh, to wrap up, but we've gone over time. Everyone listening in, thank you so much for joining us on our Spotify, our YouTube. Make sure you subscribe so that you get our updates when we're live again. And we've got one more segment for season two. We'll be wrapping up with the with the team finale next week that I'm really looking forward to. I'll catch you all then. Thanks, Alistair. Thanks, Thanks for having Dom. me. Have a good day. Have a wonderful day, everyone.